Last week, we finished addressing the final clause of the Midland Free Mission Statement that we would enjoy and glorify God, that we would embrace his word, engage his world, led by the spirit everyone welcomes, plugs in, and reaches out. And so now we kind of pivot here and turn to some precepts, some things that I think if we would hold in the front of our mind, if we would walk in these things, we would fulfill that mission and we would glorify God. And so over the next four weeks, we're going to consider what it means to obey the scriptures completely, to treasure Christ supremely, to spread the gospel intentionally, and to love others selflessly. I'm going to give you a, a little bit of a glimpse here for a moment into some conversations that we, the elders, have been having over the last few months here. We have been considering how can we better shepherd the flock here? And one of the considerations that we are thinking of is forming, and this is my term, and we haven't come up with any official language here, so don't go up to them and say, what's this you're talking about? Because this is my term. We're considering what it might look like if we had shepherding flocks. If we took pieces of the membership and gave a specific elder to, to shepherd over. And in some ways, my hope is that some of these precepts would be useful for that shepherding. Because if we're having interactions with our members and we are asking, hey, how are you doing in, in obeying the scriptures and following the, the truths that God's given us? That would be a great conversation, a great uh, you know, thermometer or litmus test to see how we're doing. Or what has it been looking like in your life to treasure the Lord supremely. So I think these precepts would help with that and help us to shepherd and, and lead and, and guide you, the flock, and, and also create this relational bond that we should have with those that God has placed over us. And so this morning we turn to this call to obey the scriptures completely. We need the Bible we need the word of God day by day by day by day. For the word of God to truly benefit us, it can't be something we just open up on Sunday mornings and that we close up or just kind of give a fleeting thought to moment by moment. It's something we need to be devouring. The scriptures, in a way, is the fuel to the flame of our spiritual life. If you go out to Yosemite, there is this great lodge that the fireplaces in this lodge that once heated it prior to them piping in, you know, modern amenities like furnaces, these, these hearths are literally large enough for, let's say, hypothetically, a family of seven could stand inside this hearth. And how do I know that? Because I am part of a family of seven and we were inside. This is how great and how huge these fireplaces are. And they required wood to be fed into them continuously to feed the flame, to warm this great lodge. And as soon as it was neglected, things cooled. Church, God has graciously spoken through his word. Therefore, we should obey it for our good and his glory. 
God has spoken graciously through his word. So we should therefore obey it for our good. It's, it's for our good. It's for our benefit. It's for our blessing. But it's also for his glory. So let's pray and then we'll look at our text from 2 Timothy chapter 3. Pray with me. Father, I pray this morning as we come to you, as we come and, and open your word, I pray that you would help us to come underneath it. Bind us to your truths. Help us to delight in this word spoken to us because it gives us more of you. It conforms our heart to look more like Christ so that we walk in a manner worthy of the gospel. It, it helps us to display it to, to the world and to the nations and to our own family, Lord. I pray that we would be about the word of God. Help us, Lord. When we stray from it, when we mishandle it. Forgive us, Lord. But help us to never grow tired and weary of coming to it again. Because there we see you. And we know what it means to be your son, your daughter, adopted, brought in, made new. So help us to delight in it and open it up to us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. If you have a Bible, flip over to 2 Timothy chapter 3. If you get the newsletter, you will find out that we are not in Hebrews, though the newsletter said... And if you are in a, a life group or a group that uses the study notes based off of the sermons, you will find when you get to those notes, they will have next to nothing to do with this sermon. Because one evening after I was all done and made some really great study notes, God kept me up all night. And I woke up the next morning and I said to my wife, I am not supposed to teach what I just spent all week preparing so I apologize if this morning seems a little disconnected, but I'm going to trust the power of the Holy Spirit to take my mumbling incoherentness and turn it into something worthy of his praise. So if you have a Bible, 2 Timothy chapter 3, starting verse 14, just these few verses here, 14 through 17, we read these words, but as for you... Continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it, and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped, for every good work. Paul tells Timothy, his protege, continue in the faith. Continue in what you believed. Continue in what you got and received. These sacred writings. Because they're able to make you wise for salvation. If you are a Christian and you don't want to be wise for salvation... 
you need to consider if you really are a follower of Christ. Why do I say that? Because church, the scriptures are God's word for us. The scriptures are God's word for us, to us. They are his word. For Timothy, the word of God would primarily be the Old Testament. The Jewish people considered the sacred writings to be the law or the Torah, the prophets, and the writings. In fact, Jesus says at the end of Luke's gospel in chapter 24, Jesus says, These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms or the writings may be fulfilled. So Jesus is saying, I'm all in the Old Testament as well. But Paul seems to be pointing out to something else here. There's something more here. If you look at verse 16, after saying, you know, You've been acquainted with the sacred writings. Then in verse 16, he says, all scripture, instead of saying the scripture. You might say, I don't get the difference here. There's a difference between all. It seems to be like he's expanding. He's opening up all scripture instead of the scripture. The scripture would be the Torah, the prophets, the writing. So why not say the scripture or the sacred writings? Instead he says all because Paul is expanding it to include the writings of the apostles. Those who have seen Christ, walked with him and their close associates. Paul is saying that scripture isn't just the 39 books of the Old Testament. But also includes the 27 books of the New Testament. Paul requires, Paul, a a devout, faithful Jewish man, grew up a, a, a Pharisee amongst the Pharisees. He says in his own writings in 1 Thessalonians, 1 Corinthians, this should be read to the whole church and be read in a way that the church hears it and obeys it because it's the word of God. In his first letter to Timothy, Chapter 5, verse 18, Paul writes, The scripture says, and then he quotes from Moses and from Luke. So he just took writings from the, from the New Testament and writings from the Old Testament, and he says, Scripture says. The apostle Peter, in his first epistle in chapter 3, speaking of Paul's teachings, Peter says, Some people twist his teachings and instructions as they do with other scripture. So Peter is saying Paul's writing the scripture. Friends, this is the word of God given to us. But the scriptures are not God's word to Christians. This book is to all people. It's not just for us. It's for all people. The Bible and the Bible alone, all 66 books from Genesis to Revelation, this and this alone 
is God's revelation. This and this alone. There is no other divinely inspired word of God. All scripture. Included here and here alone. Just want to clarify that. Paul pens here in verse 16 that all scripture is breathed out by God. Paul is saying, he, he's saying there's, there's something about this word that is drastically different than anything else that has been written. The word of God is, is breathed out. What he is trying to emphasize is that this is not man's invention. This comes from God. It's, it's not like anything else that has ever been written. And he writes that it's, it's inspired. The men who wrote these words didn't actually come up with them. They came from outside of themselves. God revealed it to them. He breathed it into them. If you have a Bible, flip over to 2 Peter. Kind of towards the back there of your Bible. 2 Peter chapter 1. Peter writes this, for no prophecy, excuse me, 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 21, for no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. And when you see that word prophecy there, please don't just be thinking of what we might call the prophetic books. that, And please also don't be thinking just of things like, tomorrow it's going to snow. Oh, it's snowing. Prophecy. Don't think of that. Biblical prophecy is truth speaking. So sure, yeah, sometimes it, it does relate to things that would happen in the future. Like, for unto us a child is born. Right? Those kinds of prophecy. But it's also, you should do this because this is what God has called you to do. Prophecy is truth speaking. But I appreciate how Paul says it. Man wrote it, but it didn't come from man. We just finished singing and and listening to music being played. But the reality is, and, and this might be shocking to some of you, instruments don't make music. The musicians who play the instruments make music it's 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 the people playing the keys or the ones holding the mallets or strumming the strings or blowing through the instrument that make music the biblical authors are like instruments in the hands of God as he breathes through them each author inspired by God yet not turned into a word processor they still have their individual personalities and, and characteristics that carry through their writing but the words that are given to them come from God just like a musician might pick up a trumpet blow through it holding the right keys to make a note and you hear it and it sounds like a trumpet and the same musician might pick up a guitar, right? 80s fans. If you don't know what a guitar is, you're missing out. And play the same note and you know that's the same note, but that's a guitar. 
or a flute of phone or a tambourine. Tambourines don't really play notes, but you get it. You, they're, they're different instruments, but they're playing the same note. They're playing the same song. They're conveying the music of the musician. This is how God inspires. I want to clarify here something that theologians call the doctrine of inspiration a little bit further here. When I say inspired, I'm not thinking about how a poet might be inspired by the beauty of nature or by a writer might be inspired by the love of their life. And so they pen this story or poem or song. That's not biblical inspiration. Biblical inspiration is this reality that every word in the scriptures, not just the idea, but every word is breathed out, guided and directed by the Holy Spirit. These truths recorded here in this book come from the all-knowing, all-wise God and the creator of all things. If he could create the universe, surely he can work through his creation to create a word that describes exactly what he wants it to convey. It is inerrant, never mistaken, since it comes from the true God. It is not deceptive, it's not misleading, because it comes from the righteous I am. It's not evil because God is good. There's no shifting shadow of sin or darkness in him. This infallible word helps us find life and to thrive in it. The scriptures are without error. And they are the final authority by which we should address all things. It's the gauge by which we weigh all things. It's the weight by which we compare thoughts and ideas and decisions and actions that are around us. And so I need to ask us, church, what do you gauge and weigh weigh things by? Do you use the scriptures? Or do you look around and see, well, my friends think this is fine, so, so it must be fine because they're more important to me. Or do we just go by, well, whatever's easy, let's just do that. Do you gauge things by which the culture approves and affirms? Or do you cast off things because the culture wants to say, those things are foolish, they're pointless, that's old-fashioned, let's get rid of that. The Bible is good because it is God's word. If you don't remember anything else I say, please walk out thinking, this is good because this is from God. And I I realize that statement kind of pushes against us because whether you're a believer or a non-believer there are things in this word that are going to press on you and you it's going to make you uncomfortable because it's pushing on sin and you're going to read it and you're going to say see what it's calling you to do or or calling you to believe and you're going to think that's not good i don't like that i don't agree with that i don't want to do that 
But this comes from God, not from man. This comes from the the sovereign, holy king of the universe. But it's going to push on us. Because we want to do things our own way. And it's easy to fall into the thinking that this is actually a killjoy. It's just going to make you feel bad about what you want to do and who you are and what you like. And, and it's just going to tell you you're wrong. Come on, right? Like, I grew up in the church and I hated the Bible as a kid. Because my parents would always throw out some biblical thing in my face after I just did something that was enjoyable. If that's true of you and you think, man, the Bible's, you know, it's old-fashioned. I don't like it. I don't agree with it. It's not good. I just want to ask you this question before you come to that conclusion. Have you actually read all of the Bible? I've had friends and, and others who are you know, non-believers and even people who are believers. And they, they say, well, what about this verse? And I say, okay, what other verses do you have? Have you read the whole Bible? Are you familiar with the full narrative of Scripture? Or you just don't like this one passage or this one verse? So before you say the Bible's not good, I just want to encourage you. Take some time to read all of it. I believe it's powerful. I believe it's good. And I believe that the main point of scripture is not to be a killjoy, but instead is actually God is graciously working to remedy the issue of sin and to give you life, not rob it from you. All of scripture points to Jesus Christ because the main point of All of the Bible is the good news that Jesus came to die in our place for our sins, not to be a burden, but to release you from the crushing burden and the consequence of sin. Jesus came not to condemn, but to redeem. The Bible's good. See the full picture of the Bible. I also need to say this just because I know someone might write me an email and say, if the Bible's good, why do Christians use the Bible for bad things? And to that, here's my simple answer. Perhaps those people who have used it for bad things aren't actually Christians. And if they are, the Bible actually tells you the answer to that. There's still sinners being saved. And so sometimes we take scripture and we misapply it. Sometimes we misuse it. Sometimes we twist it. Not, hopefully if we're believers, not intentionally. Brothers and sisters, this is God's word breathed out for you. Written in these pages, God reveals himself to you. It is here that you better understand who you are, how to process the circumstances you're experiencing in your life. Surely it would be foolish to ignore the word of God. It would be irrational to disobey the scriptures if they truly are from God and for your good. 
It would be unwise to reject them without first exploring what they have to say. Beloved, obey the scriptures because they draw you to the heart of God. They're the word of God with a purpose to conform our lives that we would obey the scriptures and be drawn to the very heart of God. All scripture, Paul writes, is breathed out by God, and it's profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness. That's what he writes in verse 16. The Bible teaches us what is true about the world around us. It teaches us about ourselves, who we are, what we can be. It reminds us, yes, of the things that the Lord requires and values, but the deepest part of scripture is it reveals the heart of God. This is who I am, is what you find in this word. The reality is, is until you fully know who God is, you will never know who you fully are. Until you dig into this word and and see who God is, see how he's acted, see what he delights in, see his grace, see his mercy. Until you grasp that, you will never fully understand who you are. These words are a gift to you. They have the ability, Paul says, to reprove. The word reprove there means to rebuke or to refute I know many times you hear that word rebuke and you're like, I don't like rebuke. I don't like to be refuted. Don't take that in a negative way. Please hear it as an encouraging thing. Now, let me clarify that a rebuke isn't always comfortable and easy. When a child is running towards danger, a parent rebukes them, not because they hate them, but because they love them. Stop. Don't run into the street. You wouldn't look at that parent and be like, man, you are so closed-minded. Let the kid enjoy the street and see what he might experience there. You would say, that's a loving thing to do. And in that moment when the child hears it, stop. They're thinking, oh. But then they grow up and they find out being hit by cars isn't a fun thing. Take it from one who knows. Christian, have you observed how easy your heart wanders? Have you noticed how quickly we leak biblical truth? We hold it. This is what I believe. And then we kind of drift slowly from it. The Bible has this ability to to teach us, to reprove us, to guide us, to correct us, to train us, literally to discipline us in righteousness. It reveals your sinfulness, but it leads you back to righteousness. It leads you back to the Lord. I have to admit something here. It's interesting to me when I have conversations with believers who say, why won't the world out there just follow the word of God? And I want to say to them, why would they? I can't take the Bible and and force the world to conform to it. Why would they? 
I mean, I can hold it up and lovingly say, this is truth. This is where God's found. This is where redemption is to be explained and, and, and found. There, there, there's, there's good here. I can, I can passionately plead, but I can't shake my finger at them and say, do what the Bible says. Why would they? The other part I find is interesting when I interact with some of those believers, and perhaps you find yourself in this camp, so please hear this as a gentle, loving rebuke. Have you yourself read all of Scripture? You want them to follow the word, but you yourself don't read the word. You want them to align to all of Scripture, but you don't even know what all of Scripture says. And I know that because sometimes the way you convey with the world out there, you don't look a lot like Christ. Church, do you avoid sections of the Bible because they make you uncomfortable? Do you read devotionals and other books about the Bible, but you don't actually read the Bible? Well, please hear me clearly. I am not anti-devotionals. I do a devotional with my family. I'm not anti-other books. Just stop by my office and find shelves full of them. But all of those books are not inspired by God. This is. This is breathed out. Do you come eagerly to bind your heart to the word of God each and every day? Are you willing to have the indwelling hidden sin in your life confronted by the scalpel of the word of God? Because it is those things cut away from you that help to draw you in to Christ and into God. Are you willing to conform and submit to the word? Are you willing to receive more of God in his heart and his blessing? God has spoken to you. Are you listening? Why? Why listen? Let's look here. Verses 14 and 15. Paul says this. But as for you, Timothy, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it, And how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Listen to this word so that you can be wise for salvation through Christ Jesus. When the scriptures are revealed to you, when you see truth about the Lord, when you grasp true doctrine as the scripture conveys that to you, when you see righteous behavior, your heart should experience conviction because there's going to be something in your heart, something in your mind that's going to say, "Uh uh-oh, that's not me. I've fallen short. I'm prone to wander. I'm not actually seeking Christ. Have you heard the acronym Bible, basic instructions before leaving earth? The Bible is not basic instructions before leaving earth. The scriptures are not a list of do's and don'ts for your best life now. 
The Bible is not a manual. The Bible is given to us to show us that we need a savior. The Bible reveals to us time and time again, not how to do life, but that you can't. The scriptures are given to make us wise for salvation. Sometimes the best wisdom is you can't do that. You're not capable. You don't have the strength. What the scriptures continually do is set your eyes on your mess, your fallenness, your brokenness, your limitation, your finiteness, and then points you to God. It says it's only through the perfect son that any of this could actually be accomplished. The Bible never proclaims you're good enough. The Bible never proclaims you're sufficient. The scriptures, you could say the job of the scriptures is to show that you are dependent on Jesus. He is the only way that you could be brought back to the Lord God. It's not basic instructions because let's be honest, most of us throw them away and try to figure it out on our own. What the Bible does is it says you need a savior. Look at verse 17. I I love this. Verse 17, right here at the end, after going through all this, he says that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. The word complete here doesn't mean finish. It means capable. It means proficiently equipped. Notice the flow. Continue on what you've learned and believed. The sacred writings, which make you wise for salvation. This inspired word of God is useful for training and correcting and and rebuking and, and giving you righteousness. See your need, see your need for a savior, be corrected, be trained, be guided. All of these things point us back to a savior, point us back to Christ, point us to the finished work that he has done. For what reason? So that you can just sit back and relax. No. That you be drawn into the heart of God. Do you know what the heart of God is? Himself. You might say, man, that's arrogant of God. That's selfishness of God. If God is the being, the, 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 the sovereign, good, and righteous one, the omnipotent, holy one who has always been and always will be, there is nothing higher and greater. Surely the best thing for him to be about is himself. That's not selfishness. It's selfish when we try to be all about ourselves because we're not God. But we are drawn into the heart of God, which is God. And when you are filled with God, you find that what you are about is the work. Let us obey scriptures for the sake of gospel work. The scriptures are given to us so that we are drawn into the heart of God. And when we are in the heart of God, the thing we are about is God. And God desires to be honored and worshiped through Christ. So gospel ministry is what we are about when we are obeying scripture. If you are not about gospel ministry, you probably are not obeying scripture. If you have a Bible, flip over to Ephesians chapter 4. 
Look at Ephesians chapter 4. We're going to look at verses 11 through 16 here. This is Paul writing again to the church at Ephesus. He says, and he, speaking of God, gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherd teachers, or the shepherd and teachers, to equip the saints, the saints, for the work of ministry. The ministry he's talking about here is gospel ministry. For the building up of the body of Christ. If the gospel is about Christ, gospel ministry puts Christ at the center. We gospel one another because that's what builds up the body of Christ until we obtain to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried away by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. If you don't want to be tossed to and fro, you dig down into the word of God and you find the anchor. His name is Christ. That's gospel ministry. Verse 15, rather Speak the truth in love. We are to grow up in every way in him, speaking of Christ, who is the head into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. If you are a Christian, you have been given a ministry. It's gospel ministry. And by gospel ministry, I mean you keep pointing people to Christ. Whether that's in the church to one another, we've got to keep pointing people to Christ so that we grow up into the the fullness of the head who is Christ, right? And whether we go out into the world and to the lost and we are wanting to serve and do all these other things, we are about gospel ministry. Yes, should we dig wells? Sure. Should we start hospitals? Great. Should we make schools in in areas where education isn't found? Yes. But if the heart of that is not the gospel, it's not Christian ministry. Why do we have the word of God? It's for the sake of gospel ministry. If you are a Christian, you are a minister of the gospel. The scriptures And the call to be obedient helps conform us into the image of Christ so that we can be faithful gospel ministers. When you are about the heart of God, you will be about gospel ministry because you will want to draw other people to the heart of God. God is glorified through our obedience to the word because the word drives us to Christ Christ draws us back to the heart of God and we want to do ministry for his name and glory. May the Lord God impart in us the people of Midland Free a drive, an intentionality to know and obey scriptures for in them you will grow your dependency on Jesus and so receive the grace of the gospel but then return that grace back out as gospel ministry. So obey scriptures for the sake of gospel ministry that the name of Christ would be exalted and God would be glorified.
If you don't have a Bible, when you walk out of here, take one. There's nothing greater I could give you. If we run out of Bibles, come find someone who looks important. And we will find a Bible for you. And if we run out of those Bibles, come find me. I'll give you this one. It's a little broken, I apologize, but it's still the word of God. Let us be grateful that God has chosen to speak to us. Because his word is good. Let's pray. Lord God. Let us be grateful because we don't have to be in the dark. You've given us your word. We can know who you are. We don't have to guess what you're about. We don't have to ponder perhaps perhaps he's good. Maybe he's just. Maybe he changes his mind. We know the answer to all of these questions because you have spoken and you have given us your word. What glorious good news it is that we have a God who speaks. So help us to listen. Give us the spiritual conviction of the Holy Spirit to open this word, to to take the time to, to be disciplined, to read it, to know it, so that we would see more of our need for Christ. We continue to grow in, in sanctification, being made more and more like Christ as we continue to depend on him. Lord, help us to obey the scriptures for the sake of gospel ministry because it is gospel ministry that glorifies you. And there's nothing greater to be glorified. There's nothing greater to receive There's nothing greater to to come underneath but the sovereign God of the universe. Help us to grow in obedience, Lord. We pray in Jesus' name, the very word, amen. The Bible is good, breathed out by God. And uh, as we get close to concluding this worship service, we are going to introduce a new song. And this song is called Your Words Are Wonderful. So let's stand and sing this. Where else can we go? Where else? 
If you need someone to talk to, if, you, if there's something going on in your life that you need someone to pray with, or if you, you have questions, what, what does this gospel look like? What does this actually mean to be obedient, to follow after Christ, and to obey his word? I want to encourage you, you can come up here, out down front. We'll have some elders, some of the pastors, the care team to be with you there. Also want to encourage you on this thing here, right? Talked about this, uh, I think it was last week or a couple weeks ago. We are still looking. Perhaps you already volunteer in the children's ministry. If that's you and, and you want to help us out for Easter, we would love for you to uh, reach out to Kim or, or Leah because we are still in need of a few volunteers. If you've never helped really in the children's ministry, but you have an interest in finding out more information about that, or maybe you're here for Easter, please go talk to them as well. But I also want to encourage you on this thing. What might it look like for you to serve our church, our people on Easter Sunday? Perhaps that's you just being a super friendly person that you actually say hi to the people around you. Because I know you guys do this all the time, but we're just trying to lovingly encourage you, right? Because we will have people here who aren't believers, Pray that we be a, a gracious, generous, welcoming church every Sunday. But I also want to encourage you, perhaps God is already laying on your heart to be obedient to the thing he has called you to do. And maybe he wants you to invite that person that you've been praying for, for the 24 and 2024, that, that one or two people that you've been praying for, that you want them to hear the gospel, invite them to come with you and take them out to lunch afterwards or grab a good breakfast before you come Whatever it is, consider that. One last thing. It doesn't matter where you're sitting today. You have the privilege of stacking your chairs. So this side, and then this side that never seems to get included with anything. You guys are in the middle. If you wouldn't mind stacking your chairs, uh, if you could stack, I think it's 10 high. 
Um, that would be great because all of the chairs need to be put away. Let me send you out with these words from James. Listen clearly to the end of this passage. Be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourself. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and he goes away and at once forgets what he looks like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, listen, here's the best part, he will be blessed in his doing. So I pray that Midland Free would be a group of people who are passionate in obedience to the word of God because we want to receive the blessing of God. So have a blessed week growing in this. And we'll see you next Sunday.